the word today and trying to get our hearts realigned, our minds realigned with, with uh, God and his word um, because there's a lot of other things trying to form our thoughts and our opinions and our faith even as we go through this life. But um, before we do that, if you guys would just pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you, the giver of all good things, the source of all life and light. And we sit at your feet. You are the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father. You have been a shelter to every generation. And you're not going to stop now. And as our, our nation, our world, maybe even our hearts go through some shaking, Lord, we run to you. We run to you because you're in control. You're seated on the throne. You're not worried or stressed or confused. Your purposes and your will cannot be stopped and will not be stopped. And so we come to you. And we want to hear the words that come from your very mouth. We want to know the thoughts inside your, your mind. And we thank you, Lord, that we have a rock that has withstood the test of time. The ups and downs. You've been so faithful and so steady. And I want to pray for anyone in here that really is having a troubled heart because of coronavirus or stock market or whatever else might be going on in their lives. I pray that right now today, Lord, they would be able to connect with you and that they would be able to make that exchange, their worry, their anxiety, their stress, their fear for your peace and your joy and your passion and your wisdom. Help us to be a church that is strong because of you and nothing else, Lord. We do. We thank you for this day and this moment. Thank you so much for each person in this room and the steps that they are taking to find you and to know you. And I pray, Lord, that you would grow us up. You would deepen our understanding and relationship with you. You would raise us up into deeper maturity and a more consistent, steady walk with you. And you would show us the people around us that are going through shaking 
deep in their souls so that we can offer to them the bread of life. We thank you, Lord, for all these things. Amen. Amen. Well, um, we're going to be Matthew chapter 3, if you want to grab a Bible and turn there. Get a little uh, illustration from the life of Jesus. And uh, we've been going through spiritual formation. We, we kicked off this year talking about spiritual formation. We've kind of dedicated this whole year to the concept of spiritual formation. How do we understand it, know it, live into it, share it, all of that. And uh, we describe spiritual formation as moving from less Christ-like to more Christ-like. And though God loved you when you were at your worst, God loved you, when you before you had your act together and he, he saved you right there, he, didn't, he doesn't want you to stay there, right? He, he saves you so that you can become more like his son. He can, he can cultivate your heart and your mind and your life into more of the image of his son and, and that's the goal of Christ, to be less Christ-like to more Christ-like. That's the Christian concept of spiritual formation. So we talked about that. We talked about the roadmap of spiritual formation. We unpacked some of that in January. And now we've been going through the practices, the spiritual practices, exercises, disciplines, whatever you would, you would say, um, that, that have been proven to help us in our spiritual formation. So these are, these are true in the scriptures. These are true throughout church history. These are things that have proven to be helpful. There's no guarantee in any of them. But we talked about prayer, or we talked about stillness first. The ruthless elimination of hurry, how that's necessary for our formation. We talked about prayer, the realigning of our will with God's will. That's the, the goal of prayer is to not just come to God with our list, but to come to God and see what's on his list. And it's okay to bring our list, but it's really to just to check and see if there's anything on our list that's on his list, because those are the good thing. Uh, we talked about scriptures last week with Pastor Kenny. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah? yeah. Um, and he talked about renewing our minds to know God's will, using the scriptures to renew our minds. And then today we're going to be talking about the super sexy, popular thing called obedience. Yeah. Yeah, I told someone in between services, they're like, I can't wait to hear the message today. I said, don't come. <laughs> Leave now. Obedience. Obedience is something we Americans love. We love to be obedient and submit to authority. Uh, we love to have other people tell us what to do and us to say, yes, I should do that. Right? You with me? No, that's for the British. That's not for Americans. We got rid of that, I thought. Um, but no, this is a message about obedience, um, risking comfort to grow in our faith. Um, faith is, is something the Bible talks a lot about. Faith is what actually saves us. Faith, faith is, what, is what God's trying to cultivate in us. And faith is a little hard to grasp, but I think 90% um, of faith is obedience. 90% of faith is obedience. So the Bible talks about obedience a lot as well. Old Testament, it's like obey your commands, obey the 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 commands. And then we get to the New Testament, we're like, whew, we can get rid of that. But then guess what happens? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And it's like, oh, man, you too. Um, and this is the challenge. Obedience is, is, is what Christianity is all about. In fact, there's one writer, and I would highly recommend this book. Um, it's not the most exciting book, but it'll, it'll really be good for your soul. Um, and, and his name's Eugene Peterson, and he wrote um, describing 
the Christian walk, and he said it's a long obedience in the same direction. And those of you who've been walking with the Lord for a while, you know that there isn't really like, it's not really tricky. It's not like all this new stuff all the time, like, oh, now I'm supposed to do this, and now I'm supposed to completely change it. It's just a long obedience in the same direction is this life of faith. But over time, if you continue in that long obedience in the same direction, you wake up one day and you realize your soul has been totally transformed by the relationship with Jesus and the simple steps of obedience that he's asked you to walk in. A long obedience in the same direction. Um, a couple more things just to help flesh out obedience. I saw these quotes. Um, some of them came from this book. Again, if you want to get deeper into some of these spiritual practices, this is a helpful book, To Live in Love Like Jesus, um, from Brandon Cook. It's not a cookbook. <laughs> it kind of is a cookbook, but come on, you guys. That was pretty good. His name is Brandon Cook, and I said it's not a cookbook, but it is a cookbook because its name is Cook. No? Still, I should stop. I won't use it next service. I didn't try it first service. I should have because they'll laugh at anything. You guys are a little bit, you have a little more sophisticated taste. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. But anyways, um, here's some of these quotes. So life or, or obedience begins at the end of your comfort zone. That's not a fun thing, but it's true. Tension is something that obedience creates in our life. And tension is the path by which we are transformed. Faith, which again, we talked about obedience. Faith is about 90% obedience. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. God will never ask you to do something that doesn't require faith. And faith always feels like risk. Um, the goal of our spiritual formation is not to become more comfortable, America. It's to become more Christ-like. And it's going to require obedience. I love this one. I've got this on my wall in my office. Ask what Jesus wants you to do, and then be brave. Papa Francesco, the Pope. That's his line. I love that line. And uh, Samuel in the Old Testament, he says to obey is better than anything else you could do for God. And he said that to Samuel, who was trying to do all these things, make these sacrifices, lead the army, do all these things. And Samuel's like, look, God just wants you to do what he asked you to do. And so much of our Christianity become all these things we're doing for God. We'll go to church, we'll give money, we'll give time, we'll serve, we'll do all these things, but we won't do the one thing that God has asked us to do. Say sorry to your wife. That's just an example, not for everybody. But sometimes it's like the Lord asked me to do the simplest thing, and I was like, no, Lord, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to do some praying now. And uh, then I'm going to go and I'm going to preach to the people. And, and then I'm going to go, you know, work on a, writing a worship song or something. And God's like, no, I want you to say sorry to your wife. That's what I want you to do. Yes, Lord, I'm going to go to the food pantry. And I'm going I'm to pick the weeds outside. And, I, you know, and, he's, and you would just, to obey is better than anything else we could do for God. That's where worship, it begins, in obedience. And obedience always costs something. And then to him who knows what to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. This is James, the brother of Jesus. Basically, it's an interesting way because we think of sin as the commission of something wrong. You did something wrong, that's sin. But he says, no, it starts in a different place. When you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, 
That's sin. That's what breaks God's heart. That's what causes pain in the world. That's what causes the brokenness that we all feel in our souls and the shadow of death that hangs over society. When we know what the Lord's asking us to do, whether it be big or small, and we don't do it, that's sin. Obedience is required. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3. Verse 13 is where we'll pick up. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, a river, to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So this is before Jesus had really done anything that we know of. Basically, he was born, now special. And then he turned 30, and this is where this begins. The only thing we know is when he was 12 years old, he spent the night at church. So that, basically, we don't know much. But now Jesus, before he's, he's done any healings that we know of, before he's died on a cross, risen from the dead, he, he does this first step of obedience. He feels compelled by God to go to John, and John is John the Baptist. He was outside the city. He was by the river, and he was calling people to return to God. He said that he felt like God told him to be a voice crying in the wilderness to make straight the path of the Lord. Basically, for those of you that have gotten away from the Lord, those of you who have, have, have made decisions and, and started to serve other things, he's saying, come back. God is about to do something amazing, and you don't want to miss it. Come home. Come back. Come back to your father. Please repent of whatever you were doing. Come back. And the way that he told them to do that is come and be baptized in this water. Come, and as you're baptized, you're going to be washed. You're going to be cleansed. It's a baptism of repentance. There was no power or mysticism in it at that point. It was basically just people saying, you know what? I need to say sorry to the Lord. I need to get right with God. And I need to be washed. And they would come and they would be baptized. And it was this beautiful stirring and calling that the Lord was doing. He was calling people back by the prophets so that they wouldn't miss what he was about to do in pouring out his spirit. And do you guys feel that right now? 2020? I know some prophets that are saying that they feel it right now. That God is calling us back. He's saying, come home, everybody, because you're not going to want to miss what I do next. There's going to be a shaking. There is a shaking happening. And all of it is is not to stir up fear and to make us weird. It's just to say, hey, come home. If you're relying on other things, they're going to get shaken and you're not going to be happy. You're relying on those. Come on back to rely on the rock of ages. Come back. And, and you feel it. And so if you're in that place, come back. Come back. And so that's what the baptism of John was all about, was come back. Repent of your sin. Leave your former life. Come this way. And that's what we teach when we do baptisms. It's, it's a remi baptism for the remission of sins. It's a, it's a dying to your old life and a rising to your new life. And that's why you go under the water and you come back out. And so that's the call is, is to come. But it's a little different when you're talking about Jesus. 
Because Jesus didn't have an old life. Jesus didn't need to repent from any sin. He was sinless. And so what Jesus introduces here is this other aspect to baptism, where baptism is a step of obedience. It's something that that his father had asked him to do to fulfill all righteousness. And so Jesus says yes to his father. And he goes out to meet his cousin, John. And he says, hey, John, I want to get baptized. And John's like, wait a second. Somehow John knew. And this is very interesting because John was his cousin. They grew up together. Jesus' own brothers didn't believe. But Mary had probably told the story. John had heard the story from his mom about the virgin birth and all of that. But John, for some reason, he believed. We know at one point Jesus was walking up and John the Baptist said to his disciples, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John had these moments of revelation and understanding of who Jesus was. And in another place, John the Baptist talks about, hey, I'm baptizing you in water, but after me is coming one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's a far greater baptism. And so as Jesus is walking up, basically John is saying to him, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. And yet Jesus says to him, hey, John, I get what you're saying. I understand. But this isn't about you right now. This is about me doing what my father asked me to do. And I want to be baptized by you. And so John baptizes Jesus. And as he comes up out of the water, a special thing happens. The father speaks out and says, this is my son in whom I'm pleased because nothing pleases the father more than our obedience. And this is before Jesus had done all the cool things, right? This this was primary. Obedience is, is so intricate, so integral, so important to the life of the believer. And the only reason Jesus was baptized was was to show us that we are supposed to walk in obedience also. We are supposed to walk in obedience. And baptism is a great first step for a lot of us. And you gain something in every step of obedience that you cannot gain any other way. So you gain something in the waters of baptism you cannot gain any other way. And trust me, we need all we can gain in this long obedience in the same direction. And so here's Jesus talking, uh, taking this step of obedience. And then you see time and time again the writers will, will be writing about Jesus and they'll say, oh, and he did that to fulfill all righteousness. Oh, he did that to fulfill the scripture that says about him, yada, yada, yada. Oh, and then he did that because this scripture said about him. So Jesus basically, his life was scripted in some ways and he was walking in obedience to all of those moments as his father led him. And then we have verses like this. In Hebrews chapter 5, it says of Jesus, In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety, his obedience. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. And so this is why obedience is not sexy and never will be. Because obedience usually comes with suffering. Remember, it's outside your comfort zone. Remember the risk part. When God asks you to take a step of obedience, it's, it's going to cost you something. 
It's gonna cost you comfort, might cost you some security, might cost you some position. It's gonna cost you something. But you'll gain from it every time. In Philippians chapter two, it says about Jesus, Paul's writing, and he says, he was in the very nature of God, but he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Basically, Paul's remembering back and he's saying, all of Jesus' life was obedience. He was obedient in the incarnation, taking that step to take on human flesh. And then he was obedient in his life, submitting his life to mom and dad, submitting his life to authorities that were in that day and age, submitting his life to the laws of gravity and physics. And then the ultimate time was when he was obedient even to death, death on a cross. That was the primary motivation for the cross. He was being obedient to his father. Remember, he said, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and yet not my will, but your will be done. And there have been times definitely in the life of Christians where God has asked them to take the same step of obedience that cost their life. The martyrs. And I don't know if the Lord has or, or will call any of us to that. It's possible. But I know that every step of obedience costs a little bit of death. It brings a little bit of death to us. Like we said, death of comfort, death of security, death of those type of things. But Jesus taught us that as well. Remember when he said, if you're going to follow me, you're basically going to have to take up your cross every day. Every day, there's going to be a little death. As, this, as you walk in this, this obedience. Anybody want to leave right now? It's like, what's next? Okay, great. We're already dead now. Now what are you going to do? Obedience. It's powerful in our formation. It's so important. Um, I wrote down some practical ideas for obedience, some practical items of, of obedience that come from the Scripture. These are general. These are pretty safe. I can say God is asking you to do this. Um, confess with your mouth that he is Lord. Romans chapter 10. Believe in your heart that he is risen from the dead. Those are real. So like that's, one, that's why we say, hey, if you want to give your life to Jesus, repeat this prayer after me. It's not that there's some sort of abracadabra magic in those words. It's basically we're saying here's a first step of obedience that is really good for us to take. And so we say, people, repeat after me. And we say, Jesus, I confess you are Lord. And if they can do that out loud, it's this first step of obedience. It's a little embarrassing, a little confusing, a little weird. But they're taking this first step. They're practicing this obedience, which they're going to need because God's going to give them another step. And believe in your heart that he's risen from the dead. Real simple. Everybody. That's good for everybody. And we do that time and time again. That's what these songs are all about. We're confessing that he is Lord and we're helping our heart believe once again that he's risen from the dead. That's what the confessions are about. And then also baptism. We are, we're going to do a baptism in two weeks. And if you have not been baptized as an adult, 
what's wrong with you? No, <laughs> it's time. If you want to follow Christ, Jesus was baptized. He didn't need to be. He got baptized to show you, hey, you should get baptized. It's a step of obedience. You'll gain something in these waters. You can't gain any other way. So be baptized, even if you're like, well, it's too weird at this point. I've been following Jesus for a long time. Oh, well, be baptized. Well, I got baptized as a baby. Now, that, I understand, but that was your parents' decision. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing, not taking anything away from it. They basically were dedicating you to the Lord. And now it's, it's right for you as an adult to, to make a decision. I'm going to follow Jesus. That's what the scriptures teach. And it doesn't take anything away. That's a special, wonderful thing. But this is a special, wonderful thing where God is asking you to follow him through the waters of baptism. And so go for it. Yeah, but it's weird up in front of the church. Yes, it's weird. God's going to ask you to do something way weirder right after you get baptized, so might as well get what you can get from this. Warm it up. And if you already have been baptized as an adult, you're good. Sometimes people get a little nervous. They're like, I just want it. It's like, okay, that, you, that on it. there's other things God's probably asking you to do. So do those steps of obedience. So we'll just keep going back to the same easy one. It's time for you to do the next one, which might be giving your finances. Nothing like a great stock market crash to talk about finances. I, I can tell you this without a doubt. God is asking you to give some of your finances to the work of his kingdom. No doubt about it. I don't know what percentage he's asking you. If you don't know, I think 10% is a great place to start, a tithe. That's what I do. And I try as hard as I can to do it cheerfully. <laughs> I'm just loving this right now, you know. Because I think it is. You're supposed to be cheerful in it. And sometimes I get it, and it's weird. it feels weird. It's like, I'm really excited about this, and that's cool. But he is asking you to give a percentage of your, of your finances to the work of his kingdom. No doubt about it. And for some of you, start with 1% if that's what you got. That's fine. And then, and then grow in it. But some of you, you're staying at 10% when God's saying 30%. And you're like, no, the Bible says 10%. When God is telling you 30%. So you, you should be doing 30%. But oh, it's, uh, yeah. New Testament doesn't give a percentage. And so you got to figure out what God's asking you to give. But you got to do that. And it's weird and it's hard and it's scary and all of that. But God's going to ask you to do something weirder, harder, scarier. At some point in your life, you might as well get good at it. And then time, I think, you know, the Sabbath concept, one day a week, is an Old Testament practice, no doubt about it. But I think God is asking you to stop every once in a while and, and, and just be still. He's asking you to give something. I, again, if you don't know what the Lord's at, one day a week is a really good idea to trust him. And, and it's basically he's asking you for one day a week to not be American. Don't try and be productive. Don't try and get ahead. Don't try and stockpile. Don't, don't think you can do it all on your own. Just quit. Turn the phone off. Don't look at the email. Just trust him for one day a week. Just let him be God. Let's start with that. And if all you can do is just a morning right now, hey, that's cool. 
One guy in here who I admire a lot, he told me that God told him one time he was supposed to only work three days a week for years. And he was taking these spiritual retreats once every three months. And he was, and he was trying to get this job off the ground. He didn't know how it was going to, was, it was hard. And when I heard him tell me that story, I thought it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard. God wants to speak to you for your own good and call you to steps of obedience. The last one gets a little crazy because now it's a matter of, you know, there's other general ones, but, but, but the, the most of the time it's now you have the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God will come bring convictions to your heart and that's the obedience steps that you're supposed to take. So this is just, this isn't general, this is specific. This is for each one of you. God is asking you to do something. And you've got to respond to what he's asking you to do. Like I said, that guy's specific thing in the time category was to, to only work three days a week. Another guy, you know, might have something else. Something, you know, again, like I was joking before, say sorry to your wife. That's the conviction the Lord's bringing to you. And he's just going to keep harping on it until you do it. You can't move forward until you do the last thing. And for me, there's been a few things. Like one time the Lord told me to take a step, step back from this girl I was in a relationship with. I had been following Jesus. I had been reading the Bible. I was just like living. It was like, yes, I, I was genuinely like hungry for the Lord. I was, it was new to me, all of it. I was going to church all the time. Me and this girl, we started hanging out, and I, I thought she was awesome. And we started meeting. We only met at church. We, you know, we just were like super Christian couple. Not trying to be, but it was just real. And then I felt like the Lord was like, hey, I want you to take a step back. And this is how, this is how dumb I was. I was like, okay, cool, no problem. I, the Lord's telling me to do it. I'm going to take this step of obedience. I'm going to let her know. And then somehow we'll, we'll be in the Bible someday. Not really, but I was just like, it's going to be awesome. And then I told her, and she thought I broke up with her. And then it was like, over. And then... I was like, what? I don't, and I tried to explain it, and it just didn't work, and then we didn't see each other anymore. And except at church, broken up, which is great, right? You're like, hey, I'm going to church. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, and then, I don't, and then she's all happy, and then she's showing up with other dudes. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord. And one guy, I remember one of my friends, he's like, dude, maybe it's like Abraham who had to like give up his son, but then the Lord brought him back. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> then like one time she'd say hi or something. I'd be like, he's having it. And then it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are thinking at some point I'm going to tell you it's Brittany. It's not. <laughs> There, there was no, there was, there's, that's the end of the story. For a, for a couple years. It, it, it just sucked. Yeah, woohoo. Obedience, love it. But, 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 I mean, obviously looking back now, like, yeah, Brittany, uh-huh, best. But anyways, so that's one thing, like, I remember the Lord tells me to say sorry to someone after I was a jerk to them. Usually it's after I play basketball with them, but 
but that happens sometimes. Confessing a specific sin or struggle to a friend, that happens to me from time to time. Saying no to something even though I really want to go do it or I will disappoint people if I say no. And yet the conviction is there. Staying celibate before marriage. That was a conviction of mine. And by God's grace, we were able to do it. Going to college and seminary. I hated, I didn't want to go to school. I had Jesus. I didn't need school. And next thing you know, I got a, a seminary degree. Only because of obedience. That's the only reason I felt like the Lord told me, I want you to do it. Because you're not good at learning on your own. You've got to have somebody else force you to do it. And I understood that about me. But these steps of obedience, God is calling you to obedience. And here's the thing that's scaring me right now. There are some people in this room that basically God has been, has been convicting you, or, or he did at one point convict you, and you, you just got used to the conviction. Like at first when it happened, you weren't able to sleep, you were stressed out, but you've just kind of continued to say no to the Lord, and now, now you don't notice it anymore. And you're just kind of living with this low-grade conviction. And you can't figure out why you're not experiencing formation. You can't figure out why you're not able to go forward with the Lord and all of that. It's because God's still standing back there at that point saying, hey, would you do this? But he's kind and he's gracious. And if you'll go back to that point and you'll do it, Bam, you pick up right where you left off. No penalties. And then some people, as we're talking about this, you're squirming a bit because you know what the Lord's putting on your heart. As Stephen shared the word with those Sadducees, it said that their hearts were pricked as he spoke the word with them. And instead of repenting and being obedient to what God was asking them to do, they actually raged and stoned him to death. And the convictions of the Lord are that powerful to take us deeper one way or deeper the other. It's time for us to respond in obedience to what the Lord is asking us to do. Let me read this last verse from, from 1 John 2, 3. It says, We know that we have come to know God if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in them. God's perfect love is fully formed in them as we obey his word. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And Jesus, we do come to you and we ask that your love would be completely formed in us. That there would be no stillborn or miscarriage in what you're trying to birth in us. That our formation, Lord, would not be stale or stagnant or plateaued, but, Lord, we would continue to, to break through deeper and deeper into the person that you've made us to be, that you desire for us to be, that the world needs us to be. Please, Lord, rise up and perfect our faith. Be the author and perfecter of our faith as you promised. Give us steps of obedience, even though we're nervous and scared at what you could ask, and give us courage to walk in those things. We thank you, Jesus, that you were obedient even to death on the cross so that we could have a relationship with you. 
Our hearts are yours, Lord. Let's all stand as we close and just take this time. You can sing the song. You can come forward for prayer. Or you can just be still in this moment and allow the Lord to just kind of stir up what he's asking you to do.